Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into episode 32 of the Rattle Podcast. As always, my name is Jesse Friedman, along with Jeff Weiser. And Jeff, another week of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball in the books. Uh, and really the biggest news that came out of this last week uh, was Eduardo Escobar has been named to his first ever All-Star game in his 11th season. Uh, Escobar is on pace for, I want to say around like like 33 homers, like a little above 100 RBI. So in terms of the home runs and RBIs, things are looking pretty good for him. Um, but I think we all know Eduardo Escobar is, is maybe a, a little bit limited in some other ways. Um, but nonetheless, Jeff, I think uh, obviously Eduardo is is a you know a great story and has meant a lot to this team uh, in his few years since joining the club. So I think we're all we're all excited to see uh, Escobar in the All Star game, even if uh, you know he might be. Uh, you know, uh, maybe a little bit out of place in some ways, um, but Major League Baseball wants someone in there from every team and, and he's going to represent the Diamondbacks here in about a week. Yeah, and I know I know you and I both are really happy for him just personally. And it's so cool. Uh, so he's cool such for a Eduardo. fun guy. Like you can't not, you, you know, you can hit on, you know, Eduardo Escobar's game in the season he had last year, but he is sure. objectively just kind of a hilarious person to watch play baseball. It's It's really pretty great. He is. And his energy is always like on point. He's a he seems like such a positive dude. And um, yeah, I mean, he he has like one of the better smiles. Like I just I, I love it when he's happy and sort of you know dancing around and feeling good. And, um, and also, like, it doesn't hurt that when he like gets into one, he can really sting it. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think it's super, super cool. Um, and it's it's cool that I mean. He's making an all-star game in his 11th big league season for the first time. I mean, that's a pretty long time to play major league baseball. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy has over a thousand games to his name um, to, to finally break through and make an all-star team. And of course, the, the context and the circumstances, maybe he would be an all-star in many other capacities. But um, and I mean, shoot, this may not even be his, you know, his best season. So um, still happy for the guy. Still going to root for him. Uh, be fun to be fun to see him in, in the festivities. And I guess the way this season's gone, maybe we should just knock on wood that he stays healthy until then. We didn't talk about this, Jeff, but I'm curious what what your feelings are. Something I've seen floating around on Diamondbacks Twitter lately is, I mean, clearly th this team doesn't deserve an all star right with the with the way that they've played. And, and Eduardo Escobar, you know, if you if you compare his numbers to some of the other guys in contention at third base or, you know, some of the guys who got snubbed um, in some part because he is on the roster because he sort of had to be uh, some people have said, 
you know, they, they need to do away with the rule that every team has to have at least one representative yeah. um, and just, you know, put the guys there that really deserve to be there. Well, what is uh, what is your take on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure there's an argument to be made that that everyone should have, you know, should have a, an all star represented. I suppose I suppose where I come out with this is that it's an exhibition doesn't really mean anything. Um, if we want to make the all-star game, you know, more important or, or try to up the prestige level, um, you know, that's one thing. But I think with interleague play and the fact that, you know, this isn't the only time that national league hitters are going to face American league pitchers. Like this isn't the only time besides the world series that we're going to see that. So sure. Um, I think that already starts to kind of diminish it and it like just starts to feel more and more sort of, you know, like a baseball version of, you know, the NFL pro bowl or something like that, where it's just, it's just supposed to be fun. If if we want it to just be fun, I'm fine. Bring someone from every team, let every, you know, let every team have a representative, sure. um, you know, do that. But if we want to make it sort of this, this thing and, and try to restore some of the historical prestige that the game has had, then if that's the route that decision makers want to go, then I would probably do away with any sort of mandate like that. Um, just to just to get the best pure talent on the field. But I mean, look, these guys have already played a lot of games. A lot of guys are going to need a break. There are guys that are going to bow out um, as we get closer and we'll, you know, just say, hey, they're, they're not going to participate in whatever capacity. So, um, I mean, I could kind of go either way with it. But I think as it stands sure. now, I don't have any problem with it. It's just for fun. I think people are just pretty frustrated overall with this Diamondbacks team and any opportunity to take something away from them is is fair game on Twitter <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think especially since uh, they've done away with uh, having the all-star game determine um, home field advantage in, in the yeah. World Series, which yeah. which is shocking to think that that was once a thing and that that, the, that game like actually carried quite a bit of weight to it back then. Uh, but that is no longer the case. So uh, I'm with you. I don't I don't think it really matters too much one way or another. Um, but for better or worse, Eduardo Escobar will be in there representing the Diamondbacks uh, should be should be fun to watch here as we are approaching the All-Star break only about a, a few days out here. Um, but with that, Jeff, I want to transition here into um, into sort of our takes on who the team's MVP was over this first half of the season. Um, and you could make an argument the Diamondbacks have not had many really all that valuable players in the first half. But uh, but there is a most valuable player that I think we could each reasonably select. Um, and interestingly, neither of us actually selected Eduardo Escobar. Um, so I'm going to have you go first on this, Jeff. Give us your first half of this disastrous season. Give us your first half MVP for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to lean in here and and give my uh, fictitious MVP trophy for the first half to Merrill Kelly. Mm. Um, I think I think we're all pretty familiar with with what Merrill Kelly is as a pitcher and what Merrill Kelly is not. Um, Merrill Kelly is is not often dominant in the way that we're used to seeing um, starting pitchers, frankly, in this day and age dominate. You know, we, we get a lot of Jacob deGrom highlights. We get a lot of Shoei Otani. Um, that's not Merrill Kelly. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, he's been remarkably solid. Um, he's really logged his innings. He takes the ball every, you know, fifth day and, and gives you a good effort. And I was digging, uh, digging back sort of into the game log. Um, and looking back to the beginning of May when this like 
terrible, uh, <laughs> dreadful, <laughs> no good uh, sort of pattern started to really emerge for the team. And um, you know, the team has won uh, 10 games since uh, the beginning of May. Um, the first one coming on May 2nd and the latest coming uh, last night, actually on David Peralta's hit by pitch. And Merrill Kelly has been the starting pitcher in five of those 10 games. Mm. Um, in fact, the last four games the Diamondbacks have won, dating back to June 21st, uh, Merrill Kelly has been the starting pitcher uh, in that game. So um, <laughs> Luke Weaver, Madison Bumgarner, Seth Frankoff, Matt Peacock, and Caleb Smith have each started a single game in which the team has won during that span. But Merrill Kelly has started the other five. And um, I don't know, there's something about, you know, I think for the team, even just going out and and knowing, you know, hey, Merrill's on the mound tonight. Like, we got a real chance here. Um, let's go get him. And he's been pretty, you know, he's been the most effective. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he's been any sort of incredible. Um, but, you know, both uh, FIP and DRA uh, think he's been quite a bit better than his ERA has been. Um, he hasn't been helped out by um, inherited runners crossing the plate, um, some things like that. So. Um, he gets the nod for me. He's having a really solid year. He doesn't walk many guys. The strikeouts are okay. He's keeping the ball in the park well enough. Um, you know, just limiting the damage, doing what Merrill Kelly does. That's who Merrill Kelly is. And he's my, my first half MVP. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, I mean, Merrill Kelly just is sort of a viable major league starting pitcher. <laughs> and yeah. and frankly, this, this team doesn't have very many of those right now. And so, you know, he, he very much sticks out in the crowd as someone who, you know, actually belongs, you know, on the mound every fifth day. And, and as you said, certainly, you know, gives you a chance to win day in, day out. And that's something the Diamondbacks can't really say confidently for for some of the other guys who have had to take, you know, turn after turn through the rotation like we talked about last week. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Rojas for mine. Uh, I kind of bounced. Yeah, I bounced a few different places at Paven Smith, Rojas, Carson Kelly before he got hurt. Um, even Escobar, you know, I think they're all kind of in a similar spot. Um, but for me, Rojas is just his versatility has just given the team so much more value than what his just raw, you know, offensive numbers will communicate. Uh, I'm stealing this straight out of your handbook here, Jeff. Um, he played 32 games at second base, uh, 26 in right field, 24 at shortstop. He's logged 11 games in left field. He's locked. He's even logged a game at third base. That is that is the kind of versatility that really helps a team that has been completely uh, hampered by injuries the entire season, right? Like, th- like that is the skill set that you absolutely need more than pretty much anything else uh, when you're just trying to, you know, put viable MLB caliber bodies in, in, you know, in all nine positions every day. And and Rojas, I think, has has contributed to that more than just about anyone else. Um, and and the, the numbers themselves are are not bad. He's he's not been quite as as prolific at the plate of late um i think he's been on on a little bit of a a skid here the last few weeks but nonetheless 251 um uh for his batting average 321 on base 427 slugging percentage um his weighted runs created plus is 107 so he's basically been like a slightly above average hitter um and for the diamondbacks and, and all they've gone through this season uh and and the versatility that i mentioned for me that was enough to uh to put josh rojas at the top yeah, and I think that's totally fair. I mean, that's a that's a good pick, and and he he was 
certainly, certainly on my short list. Um, and for, for the reasons you mentioned, I mean, the, the versatility is a big thing, but you always know, had some of those stretches with the bat that have just been frankly, like pretty impressive. Um, yeah. and like, I, I absolutely have to eat crow here. Um, this spring <laughs> I was not buying Josh Rojas. I made the Ildemar Vargas comp, um, just suggesting that his spring numbers were what Ildemar Vargas's spring numbers were a couple of years ago. And Ildemar Vargas has been DFA'd, I think, five times now uh, since the start of last spring. So, mm. um, yeah, Rojas certainly seems to have some more sticking power. Um, and that's, you know, like you said, it's just been a guy that they can plug in when and where they need with the amount of injuries they've had. I mean, I don't know. I was excited to see Geraldo Perdomo play some shortstop at the beginning of the year. Um, <laughs> but I was also having seen him in the minors not that long ago, uh, familiar with his game enough to know that at the plate, it was going to be pretty overmatched. Sure. Um, having, you know, if we'd had to watch that for like a month and a half um, or a full month, that, that would have been way too much. So uh, Josh Rojas was in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I think it's interesting, Jesse, that we we've picked two guys. um, Neither of them are uh, standouts or household names. Um, and both have had kind of like winding careers to get to this point. Like, yeah, Rojas is 27 now and didn't debut until he was 25 and has kind of worked his way in. And Merrill Kelly, I mean, went to Korea and came back. I mean, it's just interesting. <laughs> like this organization has found some found some really productive players in some sort of non-traditional ways, I guess, with sure. these two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And the other thing I would add with Rojas is um, I know you looked up the UZR numbers before we started recording and we, we won't go through all those numbers now, but it, he effectively came out as as average, slightly above average at every position except for shortstop, where maybe he was a little bit below. Um, so it's not just that, you know, the Diamondbacks are like forcibly <laughs> making him play all these different positions yeah. against his will. He's actually like, you know, been pretty decent at it. And we and we've talked about Paven Smith in, in a similar role at times where, uh, you know, he's had to, you know, log innings in center field and, um, you know, play in places where he might not have expected to play um, here in like his first full season in the majors. But he's he's sort of gone with it. And I think both of those guys have shown pretty well defensively in those opportunities. Um Few uh, a few roster moves here to get to from uh, from just a couple of days ago. The Diamondbacks optioned Nick Heath down to Reno, um, uh, and and I guess I'm about to get to the reason for that. Um, a, a couple of days ago, they uh, they claimed Jordan Weems off of waivers, who I believe was coming over from the Oakland A's. The Diamondbacks designated a left-handed reliever Ryan Bookter to make room for him. Um, and so in all in one move, they optioned Heath down to Reno. They activated Jordan Weems, um, who is a, a reliever, logged some innings with the A's last year, wasn't so good this year. Eventually, they they moved on from him. Um, and then they also recalled Stuart Fairchild, um, who is an outfielder. The Diamondbacks acquired him in the Archie Bradley trade, uh, a name that we've certainly been looking at. Uh, Josh Van Meter, of course, is the other guy who came over in that deal. He has been a little bit less than ideal, shall we say, uh, in his stint in the majors that we've seen so far. But uh, Fairchild has really been raking uh, over in Reno here over the last couple of weeks. And uh, Jeff, I think we're we're both excited to see what he can do in the majors. Yeah, and I think even last week in our in our last show, um, he was mentioned as a player who'd probably get a look 
Um, yeah. And, and sure enough, you know, here he is. So that happened maybe a little quicker than I was expecting. Um, but, but happy, <laughs> happy either way. Um, and, and I, I think the, I think what's interesting with Fairchild is that, you know, he's young enough that you can still kind of have some, you know, have some hope. Uh, I think with him that there's, there's, uh, you know, certainly a little more growth left. I mean, he is 25, so he's not particularly young, um, but he also hasn't had much, you know, I think uh, this was, this is really his first taste of the majors. So, um, and it's, it's interesting just as a bit of an aside, we're having to sort of adjust our uh, expectations for how old players are when they debut right now because of the pandemic. Um, You know, he didn't make it up in 2019 and then last year would have been a, you know, perhaps a really difficult year for a guy to make his debut. So um, here he is debuting in, in 20 as a 25 year old um, this season. But I think what's neat about him is, is he's a pretty dynamic player. Um, he's going to be able to do some things defensively that'll really help the ball club. He's good in the outfield. He's a good outfielder, um, but he can hit a little bit too. Uh, and I don't think, you know, I don't think we're going to see him hit the same kind of tanks uh, at Chase Field that he was hitting in Reno, <laughs> um, but hardly anyone does. And um, even with a little bit of reduced power, I, I still think he's going to be kind of a sneaky threat. I think that he can probably put some balls in the gaps, hit some balls hard and, um, and he runs really well. So I think he'll be a pretty exciting guy, um, to get a look at. He's, you know, he's coming off at a remarkably hot stretch. How much of that can he bring with him, you know, is going to be difficult to assess, you know, until we see him on the field some more. But, um, I think, you know, there's the upside of, a you know, like a fourth outfielder, you know, type here. Um, and for this team, you know, maybe that's a, a fringy everyday guy, you know, while the roster is kind of being churned over. So mm. uh, I think he deserves some looks for sure. I mean, uh, there's, you know, so with a lot of these guys, there's really nothing left to do besides play them and, you know, let them, let them fail and succeed and fail again and, and, and learn those lessons and build, you know, build additional skills. I mean, that's really where, where they're at with um, so many guys on the roster right now. And, and Fairchild is certainly one of them. Yeah, looking at his numbers for uh, for this year and then kind of uh, past in his minor league career, it looks like he's he's played a decent number of innings at all three outfield positions. Yeah, uh, this year in Reno, nine games in, in left field, uh, three in center, six in right. It looks like he's only started one game in center, um, but but at least a guy that you can viably throw out there in the lineup in center field. And uh, especially knowing that they option Nick Heath down to Reno to make room for him, I think that's certainly uh, within within reason that they might ask him to play some center field at some point this season. Yeah. So uh, we'll definitely get a get a good look at his defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if there's, you know, an exciting guy to debut in, in the second half of the season, Stuart Fairchild is really um, right at the top of the list for me. I think it should be fun to, to see what he can do. And uh, even though he's not necessarily, you know, superstar, there's not like big projections around his name. Uh, he was a second round draft pick. And yeah. He's one of those guys who doesn't seem to have any glaring weaknesses. Like there, there's nothing in his game that is, you know, like like a, a real hindrance from him becoming a really good player in the majors. So while we're maybe not putting big expectations on him, uh, he's the kind of guy who could, you know, reasonably surprise you and 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 really turn into a pretty good player. So uh, he should be a lot of fun to watch here. Um, the other guy I mentioned there, Jordan Weems, the reliever coming over, uh, claimed off of waivers from the A's. 
I don't know, frankly, a whole lot about Jordan Weems. He has a, an 80 grade hair flow uh, for those who are, <laughs> who are into that. Um, that's that's my scouting report on Weems. Uh, Jeff, do you know anything else about this guy? I know last year he um, I think he pitched about you know, 10 or 14 innings and, and was pretty good. And then this year, uh, four and a third innings and was not so good. And, and the A's just seemed to move on uh, from him from there from for, for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, he features a fastball that will sit in the mid nineties. Um, he does also throw uh, like a like a two seamer, but uh, not very often, and it's mostly a slider as his as his uh, key secondary. So um, that's Weems, kind of in a nutshell. Um, you know, despite kind of sitting in the mid nineties, he's not a big strikeout guy. Um, he did generate quite a few more strikeouts last season than he has this year, but this year his strikeouts have been down, even though the velocity is held you know, mostly steady, um, you know, as, as your, uh, sort of bargain bin reliever type, uh, he may walk a few more guys than you'd like. Um, and he's pretty, uh, pretty fly ball oriented. Um, and despite that, I mean, he's been able to, um, keep, you know, which helps him, I guess, keep batting averages down, but he has been touched up, uh, just a little bit here in his very, very brief stint in the majors in 2021, uh, for some home runs. So, uh, he's the, the, the type of dude, I think that, you know, these are just, uh, sort of fungible assets at this point. And I think, I think the diamondbacks are going to have to continue sort of cycling through these guys. I think that we're going to see a lot of this. Um, yeah. And, and we're going to see a lot of sort of, Hey, this guy, you know, is vulnerable as you know, he was passed through waivers. We're going to go ahead and put a claim in on him, scoop him up, see what we can do. Uh, let our coaches work with them, see if there's something we think that we can clean up um, and give it a go. I mean, there's there's no reason to continue doing some of, you know, pitching some of the guys that have gotten looks. And so I, I'm not going to be shocked to see them take some flyers on guys and, and, and even, you know, on some of the ones that maybe really don't look major league ready, you know, try to pass them through waivers again and see if they can get them down to Reno where they can work with them a little bit, which is again, got to be just an absolutely brutal place to try to, you know, work on what's ailing you as a pitcher. Um, <laughs> but I do think this is going to be a continuing trend and uh, Weems is just the latest. So uh, we'll see if, you know, he can kind of get himself back on track. I mean, he had the makings of a pretty effective reliever just a year ago. Yeah. Um, you know, granted that was, you know, in a pretty, pretty small sample, but something was working and now something's not working. I think, and we've seen this with Stefan Crichton, right? The exact same situation where he's gone from, you know, very effective to very ineffective. Uh, Weems is in a, in a similar boat. And so maybe you see if you can fix something like that. He just turned 28. Um, or he actually turned 28 at the end of uh, last season. So he's going to turn 29 later this year. He's not young. Uh, time's running out for guys of this age. And so you got to figure he's probably got a, you know, a lot of motivation to try to, um, you know, tune his game back up. Yeah. Well, last week we talked about Keegan Curtis, um, the, the righty that the Diamondbacks got uh, from the Yankees and the Tim LaCastro trade, just, you know, guy in double A uh, probably will get a look in, in the bullpen at some point this year. And and yeah, Jordan Weems seems to be sort of along the, the same lines, you know, a guy who uh, doesn't necessarily have a, a whole lot of promise, is, has shown flashes, has decent stuff. Um, at this point, Jeff, you got to figure the Diamondbacks with that bullpen, you know, that I feel like it, at some point, I wonder if the Diamondbacks will sort of move away uh, from sort of the free agent game, which is kind of what they've done 
year in, year out, you know, bring in guys like Tyler Clippard and Joaquin Soria this year, yeah. you know, last year, Junior Guerra and Hector Rondon and Brad Boxberger and Fernando Rodney. And, you know, the list goes on and on of, of relievers the Diamondbacks have brought in from free agency on, you know, short term deals, usually older guys who are sort of at the end of their career. And time and time again, it just hasn't really worked out uh, for the team. And so uh, part of me wonders if, if maybe the Diamondbacks are, are thinking about transitioning at some point here to maybe, you know, more of these sort of projects with guys like Jordan Weems and Keegan Curtis and, you know, trying to maybe, uh, you know, uh, pick up guys who, who haven't really had much of a shot in the majors and, and try to find a diamond in the rough, you know, rather than going to the free agent market year in, year out and, and, and picking up guys who are probably past their prime. Yeah, I mean, they've, and I think, you know, relievers are just such a volatile commodity to begin with. And then it's especially difficult when you're shopping at the bottom of the bin. And, right, you know, as they continue to do that, it's just been really difficult. I mean, I think you're right. I think there's something to be said for developing some guys into this kind of role. Um, it's not sexy, right? It's not the thing that you, you know, want to be known for necessarily is, you know, churning out, you know, you know, uh, relief guys that are, that are pretty, uh, fungible, but yeah, there's something to be said for it. And, um, I think it's an area where they could really stand to kind of lean in. Um, they haven't invested much money in the bullpen. They're not buying expensive guys, but even the cheap guys are buying aren't working. So right. it seems like, um, you know, it seems like that strategy just has, as you noted, has just repeatedly failed. And so, um, something to be said for, for maybe, you know, going through the, uh, going through the scrap heap and just seeing if something sticks, man. I mean, what do you got to lose at this point? And um, that's certainly a good short-term strategy. Well, I think they maybe try to work out their, their longer term strategy. Um, and I, I think uh, one guy that was just recently promoted uh, is Ryan Weiss was just promoted from double A AA to triple A. Mm. I think he's been uh, pitching in relief more and he's a guy that had been a starter. So uh, maybe we see, you know, maybe we see a guy like Ryan Weiss uh, who was drafted just a couple years ago. I want to say in the fourth round or thereabouts. Um, so, yeah, time to start, you know, maybe converting some of these uh, fringy, you know, starting pitchers that just aren't going to make it as a starter into relievers and, and getting them up there and getting their feet wet because the team needs them now. And it looks like they're going to continue to need them in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and and pause there. I'm going to do another quick ad read here. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, and then when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Diamondbacks tendency to uh, really struggle to strand guys on base. We're going to get into that a little bit. We're also going to make some uh, some bold predictions here for the second half of the season. Uh, so stick with us. We'll be right back here after a short break. We have breaking news here from our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings free-to-play pools are keeping it cool all summer long here in the Valley of the Sun. You can choose from a wide variety of free contests to enter the pool and answer a handful of questions, make picks for free, and grab your share of $10,000 in weekly prizes. Entering one of DraftKings free-to-play pools is simple. Just download the DraftKings app and head to their pools page. You can select from one of many DraftKings contests 
contests and then make your picks and watch the action unfold. Entries with the most correct answers will be deemed the winners. And once again, DraftKings free to play pools have up to thousands of dollars in cash prizes available every day. So now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code DRYHEAT. All players will have a free shot at grabbing $10,000 in weekly prizes without spending a dime. That's code DRYHEAT to feel the sweat. Only at DraftKings, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, we are back here after our quick commercial break here in the middle of episode 32. Uh, Jeff, here in this uh, back half of the episode to wrap things up, uh, we did some looking into at the Diamondbacks' ability to uh, leave guys on base or or lack thereof, <laughs> as, as the case may be. Um, we found the Diamondbacks this season have a 67.5% left on base rate, which for those of you who aren't familiar, basically my understanding is that means that 67.5% of base runners that reach for the opposing team wind up scoring against Diamondbacks pitchers. Uh, Jeff, I believe you looked up the average from a year ago, like what the sort of major league average left on base rate was from last season. Want to say you said about 72, 72%. Yeah. 72% of runners uh, are typically stranded. So okay. uh, yeah, don't, don't come around to score. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's about a 5% difference, give or take from where the Diamondbacks have been this year, which may not sound like a lot, but 67.5% is the worst mark in the majors. The Diamondbacks do not, they struggle um, to, to hold guys on base and, and keep them from scoring, which probably doesn't come as a huge shock. Uh, but Jeff, I know you did a little bit of work into, okay, it's only 5%. Uh, That doesn't seem like, you know, that far away from like the average number. But over the course of a long season, that 5% can actually make a pretty big difference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, 5%. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what that's actually worth. Um, And even just to date, right? I mean, the team has has played uh, 87 games um, and just doing some sort of like very rudimentary kind of back of the envelope math. you know, if the team had a league average left on base rate, um, you're looking at, you know, potentially uh, about 50 runs, maybe 51, 52 runs that would not have scored right. um, instead. And so, you know, you keep an extra 50 runs off the off the scoreboard. I mean, that's only through 87 games. That's just a little over halfway. Um, you know, you project this rate forward. You're looking at nearly 100 runs over the course of the year. Um you know, that takes the team's ERA, even if we just assume that maybe some of those runs were scored in an unearned fashion, if we keep those rates about the same, it take the team's ERA from where it stands now at 5.33 um, down <laughs> to uh, about 4.77. So um, okay. that's also, you know, I think uh, a 4.77 team ERA is not particularly good. Um but it sounds a good bit better than 5.33. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what's that worth? I mean, timing wise, you know, it all matters, you know, sequencing and whatnot, you know, when those things happen and, and which runners score and which ones don't, you know, is this in the ninth inning or is this in the second inning? Um, you know, so so that's that's certainly something that's really, you know, nearly impossible to factor in. But 
I think it's safe to say that keeping an extra 50 runs off the, uh, off the old scoreboard, um, so far <laughs> this season, I, I don't think any of us would complain about that. No, no. I mean, yeah, the Diamondbacks on the season are minus 125, which is not a great yeah. run differential for, you yeah. know, slightly past halfway through the year. But yeah, I mean, 50 runs is meaningful. If you can change, you know, minus 125 into minus 75, I mean, yeah, you know, that probably buys you another, you know, five or 10 wins, I would think. So um, that's yeah, that's a significant number in itself that we were looking at. Um, and yeah, I think you said it would put the Diamondbacks uh, team ERA as they, they would essentially go from being the, the second worst pitching staff yeah. to the fifth worst. Um, yeah. If I remember what you said. So, You're yeah, correct. So certainly. Yeah. So certainly not, you know, a, a great pitching staff, even if, you know, they were able <laughs> to bring that number up to league average and strand a few more guys. Um, but nonetheless, certainly, a, you know, a big improvement and it's not particularly surprising that even if that was league average, that the team ERA is still pretty high because obviously a, a big factor is not allowing base runners in the first place, which uh, which this team has also struggled to do. Um, uh, but but yeah, sort of a, an interesting and uh, thing to look at and just kind of a stat we picked out. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I even just kind of look at like Pythagorean uh, expectations of wins and kind of look at a team that maybe is in a similar boat, you know, like. The Tigers have, you know, a run differential that is about what the Diamondbacks would be that kept those, you know, 50, 51, 52 runs off the board. Sure. Um, you know, and they're expected to, you know, have uh, 36 wins so far in the season. The Diamondbacks right now only have 24. Wow. And the Diamondbacks really expected wins and losses are are 32 and 55. So they're they're significantly underperforming that thanks to their terrible record in one run ball games. Right. Um, but you know, like maybe that's worth three or four wins. So uh, I think we we might be able to to extrapolate that and say that yeah, okay, an extra 50 runs, you know, um left on the bases, you know, that's probably worth three or four uh wins right now. And you know, it's a team that could certainly use them. Um, you know, the that they would take any extra W's they could get right now. Um, but then we go back to kind of the conversation we were having right before the break, you know, around, around Jordan Weems and um, Keegan Curtis and the guys coming in. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, that I think they're really looking to shore up. And I mean, I, these are, um, this is sort of low hanging fruit, if you will, like uh, to be better than virtually dead last or, or dead last um, should not be that tall of an order. Uh, so I think they're going to, you know, as we, as we said before, just kind of keep, you know, grasping at that and trying to make any move they can, um, in a positive direction that way, because, uh, this seems to be, you know, clearly the, one of the things that's just absolutely like plaguing them on a nightly basis. Do you think Jeff, I'm curious, do you think how much luck is there baked into left on base obviously like how mm -hmm. good your bullpen is like there's some genuine talent involved with you know if you're bringing in guys out of your bullpen who are just not ideal then you know certainly some of the starters you know are, are not going to be able to strain as many runners because if they come out in the middle of an inning you know those guys they leave on are probably scoring but i imagine there's some level of luck baked into that maybe yeah there's certainly luck i mean also defense matters um, you know, who you have, you know, who you have positioned where, um, it's, I mean, we talked about it, you know, with, uh, with Josh Rojas, right. But I mean, if it's, um, you know, you're trying to strand a runner, uh, maybe, maybe there's a runner on third with two outs, um, and a ball gets hit into the hole. Um, do you want Josh Rojas going for that ball or do you want Nick Ahmed going for that ball? 
Sure. Um, and so that matters too. Um, but there is an amount of luck here that is just virtually impossible to strip out. Um, you know, so many plays in baseball, especially somehow uh, in these key moments, always seem to be like bang, bang plays that go to replay. Sure. Um, so, so you're <laughs> at times even almost like in an inconclusive call you're hoping that the umpire ruled it in your favor so that there isn't enough video evidence to, to overturn the call. That's sure. how close the margin for error is here. Um, <laughs> and that's how much luck that you're right, that, that there can be really baked in, um, you know, weather matters, uh, where you're playing the ballpark matters, all those kinds of things. So, um, but I, I think when you're, you know, when you're dead last, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think, you know, perhaps uh, luck matters to, to maybe maybe you're not dead last. Maybe you're second to last. Maybe you're third to last. Uh, but you're you're still way down there. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that's a point you're making, but um, I don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking that luck is what's really helped them back. Because uh, <laughs> I think we'd be remiss for uh, for for, you know, being that gracious with with the reason why uh, they've struggled so bad at it you know, allowing runners onto base onto the base paths in the first place and letting them come around and score. Right. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Well, let's let's uh, go ahead and finish this episode off with we're going to do something kind of fun here. We're going to we're going to make bold predictions here for the second half of the Diamondback season. And how how bold what we're saying is, I guess, we'll, we'll let our audience to decide uh, or we'll leave our audience to decide. But I'm going to go ahead and, and get us started here um, because the guy I'm selecting is kind of related to our, our left on base conversation. So here we go, Jeff. I I think that Madison Bumgarner, who I'll give a quick update first. He threw 55 pitches in an Arizona League game earlier this week. I think he hopefully will be on track to return at some point, uh, maybe later this month here in July. I think that by the end of the season, the current horror story that surrounds Madison Bumgarner will look a little bit brighter. I think we are we are going to look at him and we are no longer going to be completely mortified by the fact that the Diamondbacks committed, you know, around 60 million dollars to him over the next three years. Uh, Maybe we won't love the contract, but I think it's going to it's going to look a whole lot less like a liability because I I really think that when he comes back, he's actually going to pitch pretty well. He's going to calm things down in the Diamondbacks rotation. Obviously, the numbers to this point don't look great, a 573 ERA. Um, But I think uh, for him, I think there is certainly an element of bad luck baked in there. Um, uh, His left on base number, uh, the percentage of base runners that he's been able to strain is only 59.7, which is like far and away the lowest number on the team for guys who have who have like pitched real innings this year. Um, So he is basically... Um, at, at a really pretty ridiculous rate, he he has allowed a lot of guys on base to, to come around and score. And and as you said, there, you know, there's certainly an element of of, you know, the pitcher himself involved in that. But I think there's really an element of luck. I mean, I mean, fifty nine point seven percent for that number is, is yeah. extremely low. Um, so I think he's a better pitcher than his numbers indicate. And uh, you look at uh, his strikeout numbers this year, a little bit up, not necessarily in line with his 
um, you know, his career best, but a 24% K rate, 7% walk rate, uh, substantially better numbers than what we saw from him last year. Um, I, I don't think that his stretch of, of dominance in the middle of the season there was, was a complete aberration. I think there's really something here. Um, and hopefully my bold prediction is that in the second half of the season, we're going to get to see some, some glimpses of, of vintage Madison Bumgarner, and uh, hopefully that'll leave a, a good taste in our mouths to end the season. Yeah, it's bold and I like it. It's bold and I like it. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think there's something to be said for, you know, um, we, I mean, we'd have to rewind the tape quite a while now to go back to sort of his stretch of dominance and, you know, hear what we said about that. But, um, you know, there, there were elements of it that seemed uh, maybe a little fortunate for him, but there were also elements of it that was like, oh, okay. Like, He's moving it. It's up. It's down. It's in. It's out. He's commanding, you know, he's commanding his cutter in on the hands of right-handed batters. So if you want to just stack the lineup with righties, he's going to come in and just jam you. Right. Um, there were starts where he had the curveball working really well. Uh, and guys were just, I mean, some of the swings and misses he got on that curveball were pretty silly at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, man, I'm. I'm hoping that your your boldness is rewarded because um, they could sure use it. I mean, they could really sure use it. And I, I think I think your bold prediction kind of leads uh, helps support mine, if you will. Sure. Yeah, we'll give it to us, Jeff. What do you got? Yeah, I think so. Um, my bold prediction is that um, this team's going to win at least 30 more baseball games this year. And I know that's not uh, particularly <laughs> bold. Uh, we would certainly <laughs> hope that they would win 30 more games, um, but they only have 75 remaining. And so to go 30 and 45 uh, down the stretch would be a pretty vast improvement over uh, the 24 and 63 mark that they're at right now. Um, and so uh, that would also mean they'd win 32 games in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with 30 more wins. And and I think the reason why is that um I think some of the factors that have been really holding this team back have been unfortunately very front loaded. Um, yeah, there, I think one of the things that's going to work in their favor is that while I do expect them to sell a little bit, um, I think that there are a lot of teams that will also become sellers that haven't sold yet. Um, that will help when the Diamondbacks schedule, you know, permits them to play some of the, uh, you know, lo- you know, lower placed teams in different divisions across baseball. So um, that'll that'll kind of play in their favor. Um, and I think that that helps them comparatively is that some of the some of the teams haven't sold yet. Mm. Um, I also think that there are guys like Madison Bumgarner, who you spoke of, uh, Zach Gallen, another one. Uh, and Zach Gallon's recent injury being, you know, another another blow. Uh, but these are guys that are going to need to start racking up innings. Yeah. Because they didn't pitch very much in 2020. Mm. And they haven't pitched a whole lot this year. And so yeah. if the team would like them to have anything like a semi-normal workload next season, they're going to need to start logging some innings. Mm. Um, you could probably throw Luke Weaver into that that batch and... I mean, you know, we've we've had our, our fits and starts with Luke Weaver, but my goodness, have we also seen enough of some of the other guys? So, yeah, um, I think I think this team's going to get stronger down the stretch, at least in the pitching department. They may lose a batter to Eduardo Escobar probably still gets traded. Um, it's possible that David Peralta maybe gets traded 
I think it's less likely that Nick Ame gets traded as Dribble Cabrera could get traded. Um, but I think they can fill some of those holes more easily than they can fill holes in the rotation. And the rotation could actually get stronger if, if guys are healthy enough to take their turns. Um, and then like, we still just kind of have Cattell Marte like sitting off on the side. So, um, <laughs> you know, you insert one of the better players in the national league back in the lineup and that's going to cover up a lot of holes. So, um, health related, you know, but I also think from a, from a contextual standpoint, I think, you know, we're going to see some of the, some of the bottom feeders, you know, continue to sell and, and weaken themselves. And the diamondbacks could be, uh, if, you know, health permits actually getting stronger during some of that time. And so, um, you can put me on record as saying the win, uh, 30 of their last 75 games. So a 30 and 45 mark from here on out, uh, <laughs> on July 7th. I'm just, I'm just dumbfounded, Jeff. I'm, I'm just trying to process <laughs> what, what, if you, if you, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that your bold mid season prediction was going to be that the Diamondbacks would play like 350 baseball the rest of the year. <laughs> and we would be proud of that. Oh, my goodness. I, I I shudder to think of how I would have reacted to that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the state of the state of the franchise right now. That uh, unfortunately yeah. would be a pretty vast improvement. It help me with the math here, Jeff. Well, how many wins would that put them at for the whole season? If they go 30 from here out, um, yeah, they'd end up with uh, 54 wins, which is incredibly low. Um, like that is <laughs> slam dunk first pick in the draft next year territory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, start the Elijah Green uh, lottery now. But it looks like the Diamondbacks are, uh, <laughs> you know, we just had um, we just had Keenan Lamb on to talk about this upcoming draft, which is now uh, just a few days away. But my yeah. goodness, they're probably going to be picking first overall in the one in uh, 2022 as well. Wow. Yeah, well, you heard it here first, folks. Our bold prediction, the Diamondbacks are going to finish strong and go 54 and 108 <laughs> to, fin- <laughs> to finish off this 2021 season. It has been a year. It has been a year. Um, okay, one thing before we before we say goodbye for this episode, something I, I, I figured out. So we, we really haven't talked much about the NL West because, frankly, the, the Diamondbacks have been so, so yeah. far buried for so many weeks, even months now, that it really hasn't warranted much of a conversation for us. But as we speak right now, the San Francisco Giants stand in first place, which I, I think we could do a, a whole podcast on how on earth that happened. Uh, we we kind of figured the Giants and Diamondbacks would be in a similar camp entering this season, and that has certainly not been the case. The Diamondbacks are 30 games behind San Francisco right now, um, but the Giants are 53 and 32. If you extrapolate that over 162 games, they're on pace to win 101. So they're on pace to go 101 and 61, which is a really good record, uh, quite an accomplishment for a team that really didn't have a, a whole lot of expectation going into the year. If the Diamondbacks win out, Jeff, if the Diamondbacks were to win 75 consecutive games to end the season, they would go 99 and 63. They would still fall short of the current pace of the San Francisco Giants uh, by by a full two games. And, and that is mind boggling just how far this team has been buried. And, and even it's not I mean, it's not even just the Giants, the Dodgers and the Padres, of course, are right there with them. Um, it, it'll be uh, fun sort of watching how this thing plays out. It looks pretty likely again that, you know, two wild card teams might come out of the NL West, which is something we've seen before and we'll probably see again in, in years to come. But uh, that was just mind blowing for me, Jeff, just thinking about how 
how far gone the season really is for the Diamondbacks and and really has been for a while. I mean, you have to go back more than a month now before you could even have an outside thought of the Diamondbacks, you know, turning this around and, and making something of this season. You know, it's incredible that they're doing this. Um, the Giants have eight batters that are like, you know, uh, semi-regular guys when they're healthy. Um have played like a reasonable portion of the season. Um, some are hurt right now, but they've all played, you know, close to 40 games or, you know, 50 games or 70 games. They all have a weighted runs created plus of above 120. Wow. It's 20% better than league average. Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Stephen Duggar, Mike Yastrzemski, Evan Longoria, Brandon Belt, Darren Ruff, and Lamont Wade Jr. All just mashing wow mashing um which is really crazy because brandon bell evan longoria brandon crawford and buster posey would have just won you some fantasy <laughs> baseball titles back in 2012 um <laughs> what year is it my gosh i know <laughs> is pablo does pablo sandoval still back clean up over there <laughs> what's what's a panda up to you let's get let's get him over here uh, the diamondbacks by comparison have really won you know, I guess two players that, that could could really maybe meet that. Um, Cole Calhoun would count, but he just hasn't played enough. Yeah. Um, so you're really looking at like Cattell Marte and Carson Kelly, both of whom are injured. Um, Andy Young owns the, you know, the uh, second best way to runs created plus on the team. Uh, and he has 47 plate appearances to his name. Um, and so it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, there's... <sighs> You know, here's a the Giants. I think what's so interesting with the Giants is here's a team that like uh, they're bucking the trend, right? You think of the Padres; they're young, uh, they're they're fun, um, you know, they're super exciting, uh, they're flashy, and then you've got like I mean, the Dodgers are just star laden um, and fun in their own way, and then you have the Giants who are just like kind of old. Not really flashy, like not the <laughs> funnest team. And they're just doing it night in and night out. It's been really kind of marvelous. And I frankly expected them to like fall back to earth a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing. I I I daily try to figure out how on earth the San Francisco <laughs> Giants got so good, and, and yeah, it really is just Buster Posey got good again, and Brandon Crawford got good yeah. again, and, and somehow these guys that are you know on the wrong side of thirty, some of them working into their mid upper thirties, and yeah, and for whatever reason they've they've just seemed to find it again. Um, but I, we could probably do a whole episode on on the NL West and and the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. It should be a, a fun ride to the finish for those three teams. Unfortunately, Absolutely. the Diamondbacks a a distant distant bottom feeder right now yeah. uh, in the NL West. Uh, Thirty games uh, out of first place, twenty six and a half out of the wild card. Um, but yeah, we're gonna go ahead and and wrap this up there, uh, Jeff. Somehow we seem to have no issue talking about a twenty four win baseball team for forty minutes every week, so uh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, we're uh, on a weekly rotation now, so you can expect a new episode from us. We'll hopefully nail down an exact day of the week that you can expect us 
uh, to post uh, every week. But for now, it seems like Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, something in there. But hopefully we'll we'll nail that nail that down a little bit more here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but as always, thank you so much for listening here to the Rattle Podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find uh, the Rattle on Twitter at the Rattle AZ. Um, we'd love to interact with you there. You can find Jeff at, at outfieldgrass24 or myself at, at Jesse and Friedman. Uh, we'd love to interact with you on Twitter. I know we didn't take questions uh, this time around. Uh, didn't want to uh, beat the bush with uh, what are they going to do with the trade deadline and the draft and uh, some things that we've already touched on in, in previous episodes. Uh, but we'd love to hear what you thought of the show and, and any uh, comments or, or questions that came up along the way. Um, but with that, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap things up. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back here next week to talk more about the 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks.